Our scripture reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, beginning at verse 14 through chapter 5 and verse 6. And then I will read a few verses from Exodus 28 as well. Let us hear the holy word of God. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason thereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. And then from Exodus Chapter 28, these words. And take now unto thee Aaron, thy brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto them that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. We'll end our reading at verse 4, trusting the Lord to add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his own name's sake. Why is it that we pray in Jesus' name? The text that we read together in Hebrews 4 though not my text this morning, is perhaps one of the best-known passages on prayer. What a blessing to know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy, to find grace and help that we need. But this text does more than simply explain the blessing. It sets down for us the logic of prayer. 
It highlights for us what it is to pray in Jesus' name. For we have access to that throne of grace because we have a great high priest. A great high priest who knows us intimately, has passed through the heavens to intercede for us as our mediator. It's under his guidance. It's under his leading that we come and can approach God securely and confidently. Christ is our way. He's our access. He's our introduction to the very throne of grace. And I want to take that clue then from Hebrews chapter 4 and meditate upon Christ as our high priest. Much of what we know about Christ's high priestly ministry, we learn from the object lessons that we have in the Old Testament. In Exodus 28, part of which we have read this morning, we have a description of the holy garments of the high priest. Those garments that God made the pattern of, God gave the instructions for their being sewn together, were for beauty, and they were for glory. We know from Revelation chapter 1, in that magnificent vision of Christ, the exalted Christ that John has on the Isle of Patmos, as he sees the exalted Christ, and you recall that the garment of Christ is there described for us in Revelation chapter 1. And it's exactly the same language. The imagery there takes us exactly to the garments that we are considering from chapter 28 of Exodus this morning. So we have every warrant. We have every warrant for looking then at these garments and learning something about Jesus and learning something particularly about that high priestly ministry of Jesus that gives to us, that gives to us our access into the very presence of God. You remember that by very definition, the priest is that one that is the representative of God before men. Hebrews 5 spoke of Aaron being called out of among his brothers because he was going to represent his brothers. And so it is that Jesus represents us. This is why the incarnation is so absolutely essential that God became manifest in the flesh. We are his brethren, and as our priest, he represents us. And these garments teach us some very important truths concerning that ministry of Christ that gives us the reason, that gives us the warrant for praying in the name of Jesus. That is not just a signal that we've come to the end of our prayer before we say amen, we want to make sure, put in Jesus' name. It is not just a form, but this is the very logic. It is the very basis, the very reason that we have access into the very presence of the God of heaven. There are several garments, aspects of the garments that are described for us here. But there are three in particular that are set out in the text as being especially significant because of a certain word that occurs in relationship to the ephod and to the breastplate and the holy crown, 
The text says that Aaron was going to bear something for the people. So in these few moments that we have together this morning, I want us to look at those three particular garments, those aspects of the garments, components of the garments, the ephod, the breastplate, and the holy crown, and learn some very essential lessons that warrant our praying in the name of Jesus and ought to give us then confidence and boldness as we come before the throne of grace to make our petitions and our supplications known before him. So our attention, first of all, is upon the ephod. I'm going to be reading some verses, so you may want to keep your Bibles open there in Exodus 28, beginning at verse 6. And they shall make an ephod of gold, of blue and of purple, of scarlet and fine twined linen with cunning work. It shall have two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the curious girdle of the ephod, which is upon it, shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, and of fine twined linen. And thou shalt take two onyx stones, and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and on the other six names of the rest of the other stone, according to their birth, with the work of the engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in ouches or pouches of gold, and thou shalt put two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod, for the stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron, now here's our word, and Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. So as we look at the ephod, here's the proposition, here's the theological truth that I want us to learn from the ephod, that Christ has the might to uphold us. He has the might to uphold us. And we have in these pictures, in these object lessons, that God was giving Israel in the Old Testament certain lessons about spiritual truths and realities that we also can learn as we focus and take a look at those object lessons. So that's all I want to do this morning. We make a proposition, and then I want to look at the picture that God has given, and then make sure that we get the point that God is making from this particular picture. The truth is that Christ has the might to uphold us. Look at the picture. Our attention here is upon the ephod. The ephod was just a short garment that went from the shoulders to the waist. It was in two pieces put together there at the shoulders. It was to be made of fine linen. That fine linen becomes often a symbol of purity uh, in the symbolism of the Old Testament. It was to be of gold. Speaking of the royalty, it was to be blue and purple, the majesty. Uh, It was to be scarlet, speaking of a sacrifice. But the most significant thing about the ephod was these two onyx stones. Take two stones. On one stone, you write the names of six of the tribes of Israel. On the other stone, you write 
the names of the other six tribes of Israel, and you put those onyx stones in those two pouches of gold upon the shoulders of Aaron. Putting that ephah together, right on the shoulders, would be these two stones, each of them bearing the names of the tribes of Israel. Everywhere Aaron went, and this was his daily garment. This royal robe, this royal priestly garment was Aaron's daily dress. His daily dress. Everywhere he went, there were those stones with the names of God's people upon his shoulders. Everywhere he went, he was dressed. Aaron was dressed for work. It's an old saying that clothes make the man. I don't think that's true. But clothes do say something about what that man is doing. Aaron was dressed for work. Aaron was dressed for work, and Christ then is dressed for work. And upon the shoulders... Shoulders, the place of strength. Shoulders, the place of power. Shoulders, the place of authority. And Aaron, as the representative of the people, as he did his daily administration, involved in all of the work of the priesthood, the people knew that their names were upon his shoulder. What a picture! But as graphic as the picture is, more significant is the point. As this directs our attention, as this causes us to look away from Aaron to see the Lord Jesus, our names, the names of his people upon his shoulders. For Christ has all the might He has all the power to uphold us, all of our concerns, all of our cares, all of our anxieties. He has the power to uphold us in the very presence of God. Our names, if you will, upon his shoulders. And he carries us and he bears us. There's the word, he bears the name. Aaron was to bear the names of the people for a memorial to God. Now, that doesn't mean God had forgotten. The imagery here, the idea is here is something that, if I can speak as a fool here, it was a way of causing God to think particularly and especially upon those names, upon those people that the priest was representing. God had not forgotten them, but here is a special focus, a special attention of God thinking about his people. And so it is Christ. When he ascended into heaven, remember in in Hebrews 4, we read that he ascended into heaven. And as he ascended into heaven as our high priest, as our representative, he bore his people. He bore his people. Upon his shoulders. 
He has the might and the power to, to never let us down. He holds us up. We have burdens. We have cares. And yeah, we know that we're supposed to take our burdens and our cares and let the Lord know about them. Cast our cares upon the Lord. We know that. But so often, even as we do that, as we cast our cares and our concerns unto the Lord, we tend to take them with us and try to bear some of the weight of those ourselves. I'm not a good flyer. I'm better than I used to be, but I'm not a good flyer. Don't like to fly. And I don't know, because I don't understand it. I don't understand how it works. Something that big and how that heavy, how that can float, I don't understand it. So I don't, I don't know that I've ever sat on an airplane with all my weight on the chair. There's always that. Now, that's foolish, isn't it? Even though I'm trying to hold up myself to give the plane a little relief or something, I don't know what I'm doing. My weight is there. But yet, I think that's how we pray sometimes. We have our burdens. We have our burdens that we take to the Lord. But yet, we're holding ourselves up somehow. We don't want to leave them there. We don't trust the Lord completely to take care of them. Oh, God, help us. God, help us to know what it is, not only to cast our care, but to leave them at that throne of grace when we so pray. And you think of the ephod. When you're tempted when you're tempted to say amen and then take the care back with you and the concern back with you, just remember that Jesus is there. Our high priest is there at the right hand of God and he's got on his shoulders the names of his people. He represents us. He has the power and the ability to help us in the time of our need. The ephod. What a lesson. Christ has the might to uphold us. But our attention goes now to the breastplate. Look at verse 15. And thou shalt make a breastplate of judgment. With cunning work after the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it. Of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet. Fine twine linen thou shalt make it. Four square it shall be being doubled. Span shall be the length thereof. A span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in the settings of stones even four rows of stones. And the various rows are there defined for us. Different stones. Verse 21. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel. Twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. Go to verse 28. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings, thereof unto the rings of the ephod, with the lace of blue, that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod, 
and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And Aaron, now here's our word, and Aaron shall bear the names of the people of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart. When he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord. So from the breastplate, here's my proposition that I want us to learn, that Christ has the mercy to plead for us. He has the mercy to plead for us. Look at the picture. The breastplate was fine linen doubled over to make a pouch. Twelve stones, precious stones then, were arranged in four rows on the breastplate. They were held in position by gold chains, by a blue lace over the ephod. Again, all those colors speak to us, but the key thing here to me is these twelve stones. These 12 stones, jewels, but upon every one of those 12 stones was the particular name of one of the tribes of Israel. And that breastplate then would be over the heart. The breastplate, he would bear the names, Aaron would bear the names of his people over his heart. The names were there on the shoulders already, but now over his heart. The heart is that which speaks to us very obviously of love. Heart's a place of mercy. Heart's a place of pity. Place of sympathy, compassion. He was touched. And as much as Aaron was in Hebrews 5 says that he was able to enter into those concerns of his people. But how much more now? And this brings us to the point again. How much more what was true of Aaron by this object lesson? A walking sermon. Aaron was a walking sermon day by day. And so as he walked through the camp, as he walked through the camp, here was this message that was being proclaimed to the people. Everyone that saw him, there's, there's, there's my name over his heart. Shoulders, heart. But as beautiful as a picture that was for Aaron and his generation, infinitely more is it significant for what it reveals to us about Jesus. Our names. Our names are over his heart. As our high priest, as Hebrews says, he was touched. He was touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. Apart from sin, pure and spotless, perfect, undefiled, but yet a real human with all the emotions that we have, all of the circumstances of life that tempt us, the eyes and the hearing and the touch and you name it. Christ lived a real human life. He knows us and he cares for us. Our names, even now as we have that one that is seated at the right hand of God, we can be certain that our names, as the people of God, our names are upon his heart. 
And it's not just the name of a congregation. No, if you're a believer, yeah. If you're a believer in union with Jesus, in union with Christ, your name, your name is on his heart. He knows us. He loves us. He pleads for mercy for us. He purchased us. We're precious, therefore, to him. And Christ, with tender thoughts for us, sits in the very presence of God to intercede for us. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. Every concern, every trouble, every trial, every problem, that we face, Jesus cares. And along with that care, let's remember here, and it's not without significance, is it? It's not without significance that this breastplate was tied on to the ephod. And there was an inseparable connection there between the ephod and the breastplate. So not only can I see my name on the heart of Jesus, his compassion, his care, his sympathy. No, he cares. I know he cares. But he also has the power. He has the power and the ability to do something about what he cares about. I can be sympathetic with someone. I can see someone's trouble. I can see someone's circumstances in my heart yeah, my, even my heart can be moved in compassion toward that one. But so often there's not a thing I can do about it. Not a thing I can do about it. Because I have no ability, I have no power to alleviate that particular need. But not so Jesus. Not so Jesus. He has the power, he has the ability. Along with that heart to ensure that we find there at that throne of grace. This is why it's not a vain thing. Not a vain thing for us to pray in the name of Jesus because he has the heart for us. He has the mercy for us to plead for us then before his Father. How many times? Who knows? Who knows how much we owe as individuals how much we owe to the fact that we've got Jesus there interceding in our behalf. Oh, what a priest we have. What a mediator we have to the very presence of the God of heaven. So Christ has the might to uphold us. He has the mercy to plead for us. But there's one final component to his dress. The turban, the mitre, the headpiece, the crown. Look at verse 36. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet. 
in bold letters, now holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be the mitre, the turban, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead. Now here's our word. That Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always upon his, be upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. The crowd, the holy crowd, And here's the proposition, that Christ has the merit to present us. He has the merit. What a picture. Look at the picture. Here's this mitre, this turban, crown, described for us here, pure gold, but inscribed in those bold letters, holiness to the Lord. The high priest then was to bear the iniquity so that the people might be accepted before God. And it was in the mediator and everywhere that Aaron went again. Everywhere Aaron went day by day, the only time, the only time Aaron did not wear this garment was on the Day of Atonement on that one little special occasion. Every day of life. People could see him with their names on the shoulder, the names over the heart, but now flashing, flashing from his brow, holiness unto the Lord. How can I be accepted when I see myself, when I become aware of my sin and my weakness and my failures? How can I be accepted? Before the Father. Here's my priest. Here's my priest. Holiness. Without holiness there's no man that can see the Lord. Aaron pictured that but it points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. With Christ who bore our sins. It's on the merits of his righteousness. That we're accepted. And now God looks at Jesus. The Father looks at his Son. And flashing from his brow, holiness. And then God sees the stones upon the shoulder, the names. And he sees the stones, the names over the heart. But he he sees this through the holiness. He sees his people through the holiness. Of that priest. Our union. The believer's union with Jesus. Union with Christ. Our standing. Our acceptance. Before God is only in him. It's his merits. The merits that he earned in his perfect life. Of obedience to the law of God. The merits that he earned by his suffering obedience upon the cross, that blood-sprinkled way that he has made open for us. He has the merit. He has the merit then to present us before the Father. 
Paul uses language in the New Testament of Christ giving us a royal introduction, a royal introduction to the very presence of God. What an amazing truth that is, that in Jesus we have access. We have access to the God of heaven. I don't have the credentials to walk in to the mayor's office of Grand Rapids. I don't have the credentials to walk into the governor's office. I don't have the credentials to walk into the White House. But I've got the credentials to enter into the very presence of the God of heaven. Not on my own merit, but on the merit of that one that is there at God's right hand. Holiness, his merit, his credentials, and his people then are taken up in his train. So I'm not surprised that Paul says in Hebrews 4, right, that we are to come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. For we have one there seated touched with all the feeling of our infirmities who has the power to help us. So as on this day of prayer, on this day of prayer as we bring our petitions for ourselves, our land, our nation, this world, not a vain thing. It's a foolish thing for the world It's a foolish thing as the world looks at what we are doing as we pray. As we pray, we have our heads bowed, we have our eyes closed, we talk to somebody that we can't see. The world thinks we're nuts. The world sees, but for us, what a privilege. What a privilege for God's people. Shame on us for not taking full advantage of this privilege, for God loves to hear us when we pray. He loves to answer our prayer. And I say it's not a vain thing then for us to pray. May God help us. May God help us to see Jesus, to see our names with him, see his power and his might. Let us come boldly with the full assurance of faith. Let us come boldly in Jesus' name to the throne of grace. Amen. Oh, Lord, what a privilege it is for us to enter in to thy very presence in heaven's throne room. That we can draw nigh to thee, and thou will draw near unto us. Lord, let us take advantage of this great privilege that we have and let us use it well and yet it use us boldly as we come in the name of Jesus. Make this a profitable day of prayer for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.